You're listening to Building the Broncos with Nick Kendall and Carl Dummler, Broncos Country's leading draft and scouting analysts. Get on over to milehighhuddle.com to sound off on all things Broncos. Hello there, Broncos country, and it is once again time for another episode of Building the Broncos. I am your host, Carl Dummler, and with me as always, I have my co-host and good friend, Mr. Nick Kendall. Nick, how are you doing today, buddy? Hey, doing pretty well. Like I said on the earlier recorded podcast, heading down to the Missouri Pro Day, so excited about that. Going to see some family that I have down there and going to see Drew Locke. Maybe I can get the induce the finger guns at him. I don't know. I need to think of (laughs) something clever to say so he gets back at me with that and we'll go a little go back and forth or something. I don't know, but it's uh, be fun. If he dabs, tell that way we cannot – yeah, we can't draft him. Yep. Yep. The dab ends it. Although Cam Newton – First overall was pretty popular with the dab. Ah, uh, that's true. That's true. You just, just can't look to, super goofy. Yeah, I would just love to see Tom Brady do it sometime. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I, I feel like his his a uh, big spike is good enough. Yeah, that's true. That's true. No, I just think of always the the different generations and our different things that we say. Like you love to say lit. Oh yeah, I, I can never pull that off. Oh, dude. So the thing is, you start saying it like ironically. And then eventually, like, it transforms, and it's not ironic anymore. You're, like, part of it. It's like a hive mind. Yeah. I just feel like it would be a bad jo- dad joke for me to say it. Oh, but that's that's on brand. <laughs> that's true. That is true. I'm, I'm excited when my kid becomes a teenager and I get to do those embarrassing things. Yeah, that you've been training for it your whole life. At least oh, that's what I, I tell myself. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, let's get to our podcast here, and we want to make sure that you can know where to find us. You can find me at Carl Dumbler MHH on Twitter and Nick at Nick Kindle MHH. And you can follow the podcast Twitter account at BTB Football Pod. Make sure you subscribe to our show and leave us a rating as we value your input on our show. You can find the show on iTunes, Stitcher, and even that of YouTube. You can also head on over to My High Huddle, an affiliate of 24-7 Sports and the CBS Sports Digital to find ours and our co-writers' articles and all things pertaining to your Denver Broncos. This podcast is powered by Overtime Media. Well, Nick, it's been a, it's been a while since it's just been you and me. While sports can bring us so much joy, it can also bring us a lot of unwanted stress. And that stress can make it difficult to concentrate, relax, and get decent sleep. Sunday Scaries was launched in 2017 by two best friends and business partners, Bo Schmidt and Mike Sill. They operated a full-service bar with 50 employees and were always exhausted. They tried all kinds of products, but they didn't work. Then they started experimenting with CBD. They loved the effects and regained control of their days and nights, but they wanted better CBD products. So what they did for themselves was specially formulate CBD gummies with vitamins D3 and B12 that were super consumable, easy to take on the go, and effective. Long story short, their specially formulated CBD products and vitamins helped relieve the overwhelming angst they felt on a daily basis. So in July 2017, they named the company Sunday Scaries and began sharing their products with friends and launched their online store at sundayscaries.com. With tens of thousands of customers, monthly subscribers, and a 100% money-back guarantee, Sunday Scaries has always been on a mission to transform a worrisome nation into a chill one. And right now, we have a bonus for you. Get 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Again, 25% off all products at sundayscaries.com when you use the code OVERTIME. Yeah, it has been. We've been grinding through the guests. We have, we have, which has been great. I mean, I've loved all of our guests, but it just seems kind of kind of strange just now, the two of us. It's, I don't know, man. Can we just have the two of us talk? I don't know. It's kind of giving me the feels. Might get a little choked up or something. <laughs> but uh, no, I mean, I, I thought this is a great time for us just to kind of look back over this past week because I, a lot has happened. I mean, th- this is the crazy thing about doing podcasts is in a week's time, the entire landscape of the NFL can change. Mm-hmm. And especially, I mean, this past week with free agency kicking into high gear and it, it seems like it's been fast and furious. Like in years past, it's been a little bit more, Hey, we got a few sightings here. We got a few sightings here and it just kind of keeps trickling for the next couple of weeks where this was, I mean, we had the legal tampering period with quotations there. I mean, I guess, I guess it's not really quotations because it actually is legal, but uh, it just kind of made everything go real, real quick there for, for signings and everybody getting everything done. I mean, what Oakland had their first signing done in 11 minutes. Yeah, it was right away. And I was surprised. I, 
I really thought he would end up on the the Houston Texans, who I feel like haven't made almost any moves besides Roby. Which uh, good luck, good luck to Sean Watson. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You'd think with how much they need. I mean, they have pretty much their entire offensive line that they need to rebuild. And I feel to, bad for him. Yeah, to have done nothing. That's not great for your quarterback. To I mean, this is your your star quarterback, your franchise guy that you're hoping is going to last for the next 15 years. He might not last five. Yeah, 15 games. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. But uh, the Broncos, now they were a team that was actually pretty active here in, in free agency and made quite a few signings. Some of them are free signings, but but they've actually done quite a bit here and got pretty aggressive, even with only having around 30 to $35 million in cap space. The, the Broncos kind of went out there and did their thing. And I, I just wanted to get a little bit deeper into what these signings mean for the Broncos. What are some strengths? What are some weaknesses of these players? And, and whether we think it's actually a good signing, because we just, we haven't had a chance to talk about this yet. And I know it's a week's time. So maybe you've heard, everybody's heard all these kind of things, but I just wanted to get your opinion on some of these guys. And, and let's start with the, the big signing, the, the four-year deal for $51 million, $27 million in guarantees, the highest-paid right tackle in football, Jawan James. What, what, did you, what was your initial thought when this signing happened? Well, my thought was that he won't be the highest right tackle in football, highest-paid right tackle in football, once Colton Miller doesn't succeed at right tackle and they have to switch it back at the Raiders. So that Trent Brown, I think, will end up being the right tackle there when it's all said and done. But, I mean, the NFL has changed. I mean, we see it with Von Miller. You line up your best edge rusher over the worst tackle. So if you don't have two good ones, it, it's, it doesn't matter. I feel like you just need to start looking them, looking at them like period, a tackle period rather than left tackle versus right tackle because that edge rusher, and with how much shotgun there is, the blind side isn't really the blind side anymore. It's more edge pressure. So, I mean, you see those guys come in with how much shotgun is being played, especially in passing situations. Uh, so, I mean, you're paying for a quality player. That's what it comes down to. You're paying for a young player with upside. That's another thing. You know, that's a reason. If he was 31 or 32, you're not seeing this, but you're paying for what, not what he's done, but what he will do. So that's, I think, a very important distinguish, uh, important fact to distinguish, but also the way the contract's broken down. I mean, it's pretty much a two-year deal. After that, the Broncos have a lot of flexibility to get out of it if he doesn't live up to expectation, whether it be injuries or whatnot. So I don't mind the signing. Now, is it expensive? Yes, but how many actual, at least like even okay quality tackles are there in the NFL right now? I mean, for real, like how many are just like, oh, okay, I'm okay with him at tackle. Probably less than 35, 35 or 40. You know, I'm looking at the highest paid list right now of right tackles. And even the guys that are a lot of the highest paid guys, I I don't know if I'd put them ahead of him. And you you got Lane Johnson, number two. Obviously. I'd put him above him, obviously. He'll be the left tackle soon enough. Right. Ricky Wagner. Uh, He's good, not great. He's better, but less upside, I'd say. Right. Rob Havenstein. Not as safer, but less upside again. Morgan Moses. Better. When uh, Bobby Massey. Uh, close. Then you got Lael Collins. I mean, I, we could keep going down this list, but uh, I don't think that the contract is actually all that out of sorts. And when you're looking again at the right tackle position, like you said, you got a lot of guys who are lined up against some top tier guys. Juwan James last year, he had to go against Khalil Mack when they were playing the Bears. Uh, he's he's gone through a lot of guys that that are top tier guys. Like you said, the NFL landscape and how they form their defenses is very much changed. Uh, I mean, the the Chiefs they had Justin Houston there on that right side, and for a long time he was one of the top five pass rushers in football. Von Miller's over there, Khalil Max over there. Really, I mean, your top tier pass rushers are going against your right tackle, and so to not have a guy that can do something. That's that's a huge hole that teams take advantage of. So, Juwan James, like you said, he's he's actually a pretty good player already, and he's I don't think he's reached a ceiling. I don't think Miami's been a great situation for him, for anybody really. I mean that that's been about as chaotic of a a place. I mean I know we have the the Browns until recently being as about as chaotic as can be. The Raiders have always been chaotic. But I'd put my Miami in there in the top five worst run teams in football. Not and I don't think he's really gotten that great at coaching by any means. And so 
I, I think this is such a perfect opportunity. Him coming here, you really have to do have to factor in that Mike Munchak value to what he brings to the Broncos. Yeah. I mean, you have to top three offensive line coach in football and it's something unfortunately we didn't have time to talk about it with the Brandon Thorne when he was on, but Chris Cooper just worked with him for a few years and now he's over at Denver's the assistant offensive line coach. So this hoopla about him, you know, being the whoopee cushion signing of the off season where you sit on it and everybody laughs at you. You know what? I, maybe I have my fan glasses on. Normally I'm pretty centered and almost leaning on pessimism. I try to say it's realism, but pro- almost leaning on pessimism. I don't feel that as much with the Jawan James signing. So, you know, take that as well. I could, I could, you know, maybe I'm starting to get optimistic again after it's the off season, you know, hope springs eternal this time of year, <laughs> but man, I just, I don't hate it at all. And especially with how bad the right tackles have been. And again, you're talking about other right tackles. I mean, Donovan Smith got paid more than him left tackle for the bucks, but I, I mean, he's not a good left tackle, but you got to pay to keep tackles. You got to mm-hmm. pay to keep tackles. I mean, look what the Bengals gave freaking Hart. Like a horrible deal. Was it like three years, 28 million? 21? Mi- 21 million. I think he was getting 7 million a year, but even that. It's crazy. Not uh, a good he's, tackle. He's, yeah, he's not even backup quality. Like Menelik Watson level. Yeah. <laughs> like, and and that, I think that factors into this for, for me as a Broncos fan is what we've trotted out there. It's just been, you got Michael Schofield who made careers for guys. I I think there was like three straight weeks. The guy that he went against was PFF's top rated player that week. And then, and they kept saying, oh man, this guy dominated. I'm going, look who he was going against. That matters. (laughs) Michael Schofield was not good at that time. And a little bit better now. Gotta say he he, he is, he's more of a guard though. He is. And, but I have been impressed with some of his growth and, Menelik Watson, like you said, sticking him out there about as inconsistent as can be. I mean, very few good moments with him. Some Rilo Stevenson. I mean, the the list could go on of guys that have finished in the bottom five rankings for any tackle position. And so at least with Juan James, I at least think we've at least got an average guy there. Yeah. With high upside. upside to be even better than that. Yes. And, and flexibility and a great offensive line coach. It's just to me, there's a lot of variables that go into it, obviously. And also you got to take into account Ryan Tannehill, good athlete, absolutely no pocket awareness. You know, did not help him out. So, and the off, interior offensive line was garbage. You know, if you have a bad right guard and center and you're trying to run the football, you know, your right tackle, it's valuable, but it, it takes five. Right. So ugh, I don't know. Like I, I get it. You overpaid for the talent, but it's free agency and you're paying for a young guy. That's that's what you're signing up for. That's right. why it's important and, to draft and develop your own. <laughs> right. And for me, I guess if, if there's a position I'm willing to overpay a little bit, it is the offensive line. Because e- even getting halfway decent talent on that offensive line really changes the whole dynamic of how your offense can function. I mean, look at the Broncos these last few years with that right tackle being so terrible. The, the offense couldn't get going. Yeah. I mean, when guys are getting beat in the first two seconds – what do you expect to happen? It's not going to end well for your your team. And so to get at least some kind of consistency out there, some kind of talent, like you said, with that high upside, it at least gives your offense a chance to be a little bit more consistent on the field. And I love what he brings in the run game because I think he has that, that strength to really push the pocket and, and get guys moving. He's got the ability to to pull across the entire offensive line and go get a guy at the second level. He's got the ability to work in space. I think, especially when you're looking at the Broncos and wanting to become a, a very strong running team, I think this is just that perfect addition what the Broncos needed. Yeah, I don't disagree. Obviously, injuries will be big, whether or not he can stay healthy and on the field. I mean, that's that's probably the most important thing with this signing. But it's hard not to be at least cautiously optimistic that he's going to be at least a, a B, B-plus level tackle. And again, considering there's probably 35 guys, if that, in that range, when you got two tackle spots on 32 different teams, I mean, just let me do the math here real quick. They're, not everybody's going to have a quality, at least even an average or above average tackle. Yeah, so, and the defensive lines keep getting more and more freaky. So I can't hate it. You know, I, I understand you overpaid and on the surface, especially when you look at the APY, it looks like a, not a great deal, but again, structured in a way that is safe for the Broncos. It can help them have some flexibility if it doesn't work out. 
And I think I think that's key. And having a guy opposite Bowles and having that right tackle squared away is clutch. Now you got three guys on the offensive line that I'm pretty confident are going to be starting next year to start off the year. You got obviously Bowles at left tackle. It's a do or die year for him. That's something we should talk about uh, later on. You got left, maybe let's say three and a half. <laughs> left guard, whether or not he's healthy, Ronald Leary, unless they're able to move him, but I'm very skeptical about that. And then McGovern, either center or right guard, and then Juwan James at right tackle. So you got another spot. Maybe you could use early draft capital there, maybe something to give yourself some flexibility with Leary as well. But it's hard not to think that this team is trending in the right direction. Now, losing Paradis. That hurts. At the same time, I mean, Denver didn't pay him for a reason, and Elway didn't value paying the center that much. So I just – I can't feel that bad about it. I'm excited about the upside. I am waiting to see because right now it is potential, that dreaded P word. But it's hard not to be at least a little bit optimistic, especially when you throw in Munchak. You know, if they didn't have Munchak there, I would definitely be, you know, this is a guy that you're hoping to get a little bit more out of. Yikes, that has not panned out very well. Now you got one of the best offensive line coaches in the entire NFL. I trust the guy. And I think it'd be silly to be upset about it without trusting the guy, at least giving him some time, some leeway to show that this signing matters. Well, I think it, it's kind of like when we signed Bill Kolar. You're able to see the guys who have shown growth. You look at Gotsis and what he was his rookie year compared to what he, he was this last year. You, you look at, I mean, Zach Kerr showed growth. You're, you're looking at some other guys that have, Shelby Harris. I mean, that, that's probably one of his best gold star moments of, of showing a guy that can grow and become something more where he's cast off by another team comes here, gets some good coaching, boom, becomes actually a pretty good role player for a team. And, and so, yeah, now getting Munchak here for the Broncos, that's a, that's a big deal. And I do think it is interesting. I mean, I, I don't want to like try to dog on paradise or anything like that, but he didn't get the contract that a lot of people thought. Yeah. I think a lot of people are thinking he was going to be in that 11 million kind of range and he kind of got more of a prove it kind of deal. And so I, I do think those injuries scared off a lot of people. He's had two very well, really, I guess you could say three very serious injuries because both hips, unless you want to count that as one and then his leg and for a center, I mean, <laughs> that, that does your lower body is, is where your power comes from. And when you don't have that base to always rely on, it kind of adds up for, for, for sure. I mean, I'm, I'm going to miss him. I think he was a great leader. I think he was a great locker room guy, but also again, I don't think we can keep saying this enough and maybe we're saying it too much, but Munchak, I, I like his opportunity just to put his guys in place and let them grow. Yeah. And it, like with Kolar, I trust him until he proves me wrong. I'm going to give him the benefit of the doubt because he's shown every single place along the way as, as an offensive line coach specifically, He's one of the best. So I, it's hard for me to be upset about the signing. And whoopee cushion, well, you know what? Look at your roster, Miami. Back at you. <laughs> I was going to say, I mean, some people have made fun of the Broncos for having Flacco. They they got Fitz Magic now. And they're going to win just enough games that they're going to not get to a, you know, it's just, it's just how it's going to work out. Right. I'm calling it now. The karma's coming back at you, Miami. You already live in a beautiful place, and you've somehow always beat the Patriots at home, which we appreciate you for. But this stuff, not a good sign of your organization. So the whoopee cushion right back at you. Hopefully some of that sputtle hits you too. <laughs> All right, well, let's move on to our next big signing for the Broncos here. And and kind of a guy, I mean, I, I, you and I had talked about him quite a bit, of a guy that we thought that it would be really good for the Broncos to go after him because he has such versatility. But I didn't know if the Broncos would even have him on their list of guys that they'd be targeting. But they went and got Kareem Jackson from Houston. And, uh, I mean, this guy, uh, he's been there for, what, 10 years now? Not quite oh. 10. I, I can't A remember. Long time. Uh, yeah, Former long first time there. Back. Right, exactly. And has been one of the most versatile secondary players in the NFL. He can play slot. He can play outside. He can play safety. Uh, I mean, th- this guy... You watch them on tape. You, you got to take a while to find them because they just move them all over the place. And now he's here with the Broncos. And I, I guess let's just start with this. What what do you like and what do you not like about him as a player? Well, I feel like his upside in man coverage is not super high. He tends to kind of get a little bit over aggressive and get a little grabby down the field and can get lost when his back is to the ball. So as far as man coverage ability, he can be physical at the press, but just down the field, I don't see the big man ability, especially on the boundary. 
and he can just sometimes, you know, guys, big striders, especially if they're pushing them vertically, can't keep up in that regard without having, you know, cheat a little bit, pull, grab, push. But, you know, when it comes to his versatility, the instincts, the hitting, the ball skills as well, the ability to be a player and make impact at the catch point, I think this is a good player, a good fit, and I really love the versatility. I do worry that the Broncos don't have a pure boundary corner, yeah, besides, I guess, Isaac Yadam on the roster right now as far as size and a guy that you know can match up with Mike Williams, who showed to be an absolute, just a force down the stretch for the Chargers. That, what is he, like six foot four, 220 pounds, jump ball guy. So that, right. that does worry me a little bit because they don't have anybody that can match up with those kind of dudes on paper, at least, you know, long arms, physical. At, I mean, I guess you put Kareem Jackson there, but I don't know if he can keep up with some of those long striders, especially in man coverage. But in zone coverage, you have him play an area, maybe some of the, the matchup zone as well, where you cover a guy until they get into your area, and then you play man. Or you cover a zone until a guy gets in your area, then you play man. It's something that Wade Phillips did a lot in the Super Bowl, uh, the Super Bowl run. But I love the physicality. I love the versatility as well. You know, they sign him as a cornerback, and it's essentially a two-year deal with that third-year deal, no guaranteed money on it, if I recall correctly. All that, all the guarantees come up in the first year, so that helps a lot uh, the first two years. But, you know, is he a boundary corner? Is he a slot corner? Is he a safety? Yes. I think you got him everywhere, and having that versatility back there is is huge. I mean, we saw it in the Super Bowl. Patriots have a bunch of different defensive backs, and their pass rush too, but they have a bunch of different versatile defensive backs that can do a multitude of things from nickel safety, box safety, free safety, cover two, cover three, et cetera, and doing that, disguising coverages, changing coverages, you know, it's, it's huge for the back end. So getting a, a pocket knife player like Kareem Jackson, who projects starting off as a outside corner, but – just as easily could play some safety, some nickel, some deep nickel as well. I think that's huge for the Broncos. And I think the, if, if he's not a boundary corner, I think what you're looking for there is potentially a Malcolm Jenkins type who was a cornerback for a long time with the saints signed with the Eagles and has been like a free safety matchup nickelback corner type. And man, he was instrumental in the super bowl. He completely shut down Gronk in that super bowl two years ago. So I, I'm excited about it. You know, the, the age is not great. I think he's, 31 or he's about to be 31 but it's again it's a short-term contract and getting a guy that can hit and play tackle football like he can with chris harris jr i mean it's a good get i'm with you i i think he is that perfect fit for what fangio likes out of his cornerbacks he likes those guys that can play facing the the quarterback go make those plays i mean turnovers that that's going to be a really important thing for the broncos this year and so getting a guy that can really play that zone coverage, come down, make a play, and be physical, who is actually a pretty good tackler, has no problem sticking his nose into the pile and, and hitting a guy, all those things scream Fangio. And, and so that's, that's what I love the most probably is just his fit with what the Broncos want on defense in that secondary. I, I'm with you. The age thing gets me a little bit. And, and just the there are some limitations to his game. There are some things that you worry, especially as he gets older, how are these things going to hold up? And I, I do worry. I called him. Uh, we're still trying to come up with a name for the secondary. Have you, have you thought of one yet? I like the hit squad, but the hit squad. Okay. Yeah, I came up with many force. The, High Mafia. the what? Mini force. Mini force. Yeah. Okay. Cause they're small. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, our tallest cornerback is five ten. Other, well, I mean, you get to Yadam, but that, that's a little bit different story. But our three guys that we're going to be talking about of Chris Harris, Green Jackson, and and Callahan, of course. I mean, those are going to be the three main guys, and they're all five ten. So is, is he is Cream Jackson five ten? I thought he was five eleven. No, he's five ten. Well, darn it! I'm pulling up his <laughs> mock draftable right now. It says five eleven on mock draftable. Does maybe it? Okay. A, okay, maybe he shrunk an inch. Okay, well, his Wikipedia page says five ten. Okay. That's, you know how much yeah. we can believe Wikipedia. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I I mean, even there, they, they still, they play big. I've seen Chris Harris line up against big receivers and do just fine. I mean, there are some limitations. Like you said, Mike Williams is probably a guy that's going to give him some trouble. Uh, but what I really love is they can play a lot of matchup football. Teams can't sit there and try to scheme their best receiver to a certain spot and say, Hey, we got a really good matchup here. 
Callahan in the slot. I mean, he's he's great in the slot. He's physical. We're going to talk about him here in just a little bit. But of course, Chris Harris on the outside. Now Kareem Jackson. Teams just can't sit there and, and get away from a good cornerback. I mean, this past season, how many times the teams just scheme that open? It was just so easy. Hey, let's just stick our <laughs> third or fourth best receiver on Chris Harris. Yeah, there we go. I mean, Chris Harris had an easy job, but it just gets a lot easier now where teams can't really do that as much. And so I'm, I'm very excited about that. Like I said, the deal, I, I think it's a pretty good deal for the Broncos when you're looking at the price of cornerbacks. And and really, in, in the grand scheme of things, we've just separ- substituted Kareem Jackson for Bradley Roby. And I would definitely take Jackson over Roby. I mean, Roby obviously has the higher upside, has more athleticism, but Kareem Jackson is actually – a, f- a finished product. I mean, this is a guy that week in, week out, you know what you're going to get on the field. He's going to play tough. He's going to be a hard worker for your team. He's smart. I mean, that that's such an underrated quality when it comes to players in the secondary. The fact that this guy can play so many positions and play them at a high level, that, that speaks volumes for what this guy can do, just mentally processing the game of football. Yeah, and I don't disagree. And... You know, we'll see what role he plays. It's probably dependent on how the Broncos roster shapes up, you know. Is Isaac Yadam ending up at corner a better player than either Justin Simmons or Will Parks at safety? You know, it's it might even be matchup dependent, but getting guys that can play those roles and some versatility out there with Kareem Jackson and, again, another versatile contract, flexible contract, it's a good get. And it really helps a lot getting these guys, some guys that can tackle. I mean, last year we've had issues with Roby with that. Roby's much better where he's just can stick on his man, very fluid, explosive in that way. But when you ask him to process and to play physical, not always there. You know, I'm still an upside player. Texans, hopefully they'll figure out a way to use him better. Hopefully that second chance will, you know, help him a little bit better there. But it's hard not to think that the Broncos upgraded short-term with this. A little bit older, short-term contract, yes, yes. But again, Chris Harris Jr., Von Miller, you know, Guys, not spring chickens anymore. Bringing in a guy like this, solidifying it, adding some versatility, adding a, just a really necessary secondary piece. It's hard not to be excited about it. Well, moving on to our, our next signing here, we have Jeff Hireman. I, I know we've we'll, we'll talk about the actual free agent signings, but this is a re-signing for the Broncos. But I, I wanted to kind of talk about him here, and I, I guess let's start off with: Does this move the needle for you at all? Bringing him back. For me, it actually does because I thought last year he was showing some upside and both as a receiver and a blocker. And right now, I think he was already the best blocker on the Broncos roster. And he's still young. He's a guy that I think has upside that can be at- obtained still. And seeing how Kyle Shanahan was able to scheme open George Kittle last year, you know, I'm not calling Hireman Kittle, but if he can stay on the field, his ability in 11 personnel as being that lone tight end still has a good blocker. But I mean, as that second, third option where you can hit him with a check down and if he got some space, he can do some things. I think the upside's still there. So I, I think this does move the needle a little bit as far as making it not a, a massive need and a pit hole on the roster because there's no way in no way in hell excuse me, Carl, I know you're a pastor, but no way in hell you go in next year feeling comfortable with Jake Butt and Troy Fumagalli. And I know some people, you know, wanted Fells, maybe speaking to you, Eric Trickle, uh, maybe some other options, but Hireman was drafted with this scheme in mind. I mean, Kubiak brought him in with this scheme in mind. And the contract is, again, <laughs> the contracts when they're announced, you need to calm down. You know that you got the player, but once they're announced, Wait for the details to come out, and if you don't understand how to break down the contracts, let somebody break it down for you. But this is another contract that it's essentially a one-year deal for four million. And given what a guy like Tyler Croft got on the open market, or the Nick Boyle, even I mean, Nick Boyle is a great blocker, but still, it's crazy. That's crazy. So a tight end with his youth and scheme fit, in my opinion, and upside, and offers—I mean, there's still untapped potential as a receiver. I think it makes sense. Now he has to stay healthy yikes you know we'll see about that but still i i just can't i can't imagine being upset about it now am i thrilled about the deal was that do i wish it was you know two years for 6.5 million instead of 9 million yeah but this is the market that we're in and i think he's a scheme fit and it's got some upside so i'm i'm tentatively optimistic about him and i think it means that the broncos can again let the draft fall to them it's it's all about always doing a great job this draft 
He's given them flexibility. He's you're not going into the draft with a mega to need mega need. I mean, right now I'd argue that you do have a mega need at the linebacker position as far as a guy who has some speed and coverage ability, but still like if, if the board doesn't fall that way, the board doesn't fall that way. You cannot go into the draft like they did, you know, two years ago where they had to go offensive tackle and they took bulls. Luckily bulls fell to them. Honestly, like who knows what they would have done. If not, maybe, maybe not. Hopefully maybe they'd take Ramcheck. Although there's a bait to, uh, debate to be had if Ramcheck would actually be great at left tackle compared to at right tackle where the fit is great with the Saints. But still, you can't go into the draft that way. You just cannot do that. So now the Broncos have a little bit of flexibility. And I think Hireman at least, at least gives them a way where you don't have to walk away with a tight end in the first 50 picks. Otherwise, you're totally screwed at the position. Right. Well, and I think the other underrated thing here is the Broncos finally have a quarterback that actually likes to throw over the middle of the field. Yeah. I mean, we've had Simeon, we've had uh, Case Keenum, both guys that are more sidelined, outside the hash kind of guys because they just can't see the middle of the field very well and they just didn't have the the velocity or the ability to attack the middle of the field. And so I feel like Hireman really could have that bigger role, not only because of the coaching, but also because of just the quarterback. And, I mean, we talked about this with – with the receivers too, how many times they're open up the middle and case Keenum just wouldn't, wouldn't throw it. I don't know yeah. if he wasn't seeing it or if he just was afraid to make that throw because he threw so many interceptions over the middle of the field this last year up the seam. Oh yeah. my God. <laughs> yeah. Oh my Yeah. That was, that was terrible. But again, I think that's why this signing makes some sense for the Broncos and, and keeping a guy here in house for a deal. That's it's, it's still a prove it deal. He, he still has to go out there. And if he doesn't prove it this year, if he gets injured again, like you said, Broncos can walk away. A lot of these deals, it's, it's that one to two year kind of deal that things don't work out. The Broncos can move on. They they've always done a good job of designing contracts. That's one thing I've always been impressed with the Broncos is that they never get themselves too far out. And and this is the, probably been the worst year for, for dead money that the Broncos have had since Elway took over. Probably. No, it's not probably it is. This is the worst year but they've done a lot to really clean up their cap. That, that's one thing to really speak to of moving forward. The Broncos really don't have any bad contracts. I mean, you got Von Miller who's got a ton of dead money, but you're not cutting Von Miller. That, that's pretty obvious, right? Yeah. That's <laughs> and not then, I mean, it happened you know, because of Keenum, but yeah. Right. So, I mean, I, I think the Broncos are pretty well set in their design of contracts and, and so Hireman, I, it, it doesn't move the needle a whole lot for me, but at least it, it makes me feel better about the tight end position because I mean, you look at last year, it, it got bad and I, they Broncos are obviously still going to add another tight end through the draft at some point. But like you said, it makes it where they aren't forced to do it so early. Flexibility. That, right. It, it just, it, it helps so much in that regard where you're not, you're not panicking. You're not sitting there saying, please fall to me, please fall to me, or like having to trade up and give more than what you would have just because you know you have to go get that guy and other teams go, yeah, we know we can we can uh, take advantage of you because we know you need this player. Yep, it just it means you can go a multitude of ways. Now, would it be great if the Broncos could get Noah Fant in the second round? <laughs> yeah, duh. Yes, please. Yeah, <laughs> uh, draft the uh, draft network. Draft machine needs to fix that up. That keeps happening. I keep seeing mocks with Noah fan at pick 41 hashtag not happening, but yeah, I mean, it just gives versatility and now the Broncos can let the board fall to them, move around and just look to obtain talent across the board. You know, there's plenty of needs long-term, but you're not going in desperate for 2019 there. So, and again, Another guy, not the same as Juwan James, obviously, not the pedigree, not the, the talent, not the upside, but Hireman last year when he was on the field, I thought he showed pretty well. I think he had his, and it was a limited sample sample size too, but his main years, he's been dealing with Paxton Lynch, Brock Osweiler, Case Keenum, and Trevor Simeon. So it's got to be better for Hireman, and I'd like the scheme for him. So I'm cautiously optimistic, and you know what? If it doesn't work out, it's a very minimal risk. $2 million guaranteed and this year, $4 million this year, and they can move on from him next year. No guarantees at all. And the incentives next year even as well protect them because I think some of the incentives are statistically based and the other ones are being active for on the 46-man roster for game day. So it's the contract structure really matters, and I think that there's just very little risk. All right, well, we're going to keep talking about the Broncos additions in free agency, but first, another quick break. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. 
Hey guys, Greg Peterson here with the Baseball Betting Podcast. As we know, the MLB season is back in our lives. It's going to be a 60-game sprint unlike anything that we've ever seen before. And I'm going to be giving you picks every single day, seven days a week with Major League Baseball. We're also going to be keeping up with the KBO as well. If you like baseball and you like being able to make some money, subscribe to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey guys, this is Greg Peterson, host of the podcast Hooping with Hoops. Despite the fact that college basketball is in the offseason, it's never too early to get a jump start on taking a look at these teams because there is now 357 of them for the upcoming 2020-2021 college basketball season. I'm going to give you guys a deep dive on every last one of them, keep up with all the transfers in college basketball, and so much more. You are able to subscribe to Hooping with Hoops on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, or wherever you get your podcasts. All righty, and we're back now to talk some Broncos free agents, how the roster is shaping up, and a guy that they retained that I'm honestly a little bit surprised they brought him back, Zach Kerr, defensive lineman. I believe he, Delaware or Delaware State? Do you remember, Carl? Small school like that. Um, I'm trying to remember. Okay, small school. Got him originally two years ago. I actually remember doing the podcast with you over at my friend's house because the fiance was doing work in the apartments and I'd go over there and he'd just, you know, hang out and I'd do the podcast. But we were pretty low-key excited about the signing of Zach Kerr. Thought maybe that he would be a better nose tackle prospect than Damata Pecco. It didn't turn out that way. Zach Kerr, though, valuable guy. And, you know, more of the the backup heavy defensive lineman. And I still think he's got some perceived upside to obtain yet. And one thing I will say about him bringing him back, seeing the response from the defensive lineman and his teammates is big. Everybody's talking about Zach Kerr as being just this amazing dude, locker room glue type. And those guys, I mean, even if he doesn't end up having a big super impact on the field, even though I do think he has a role to to play, having a glue guy like that is just super valuable. Two-year deal, not going to be here long-term, maybe even not even two years. But again, offers the Broncos some versatility on the back end, offers them a, a heavy defensive line for, you know, third and short goal line formations, and big personality, big leader, big emotional guy for this team. So we'll see. I'm not sure if him or Shelby Harris are really going to be that zero slash one tech that you need to clog the lane so much in that base three, four in heavy sets. But I think he has that ability. Maybe Harris is going to put on some weight as well. I've heard some rumors about that. But I, again, low key signing bringing your own guy back. Now you don't have to worry about potentially messing with your compensatory picks next year. And just a great guy. It's easy to be happy about signing back. Great guys. Bring in Quinnen Williams. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh. No, he, hey man, Ed Oliver. He, or, oh yeah. I'd take him too, man. I'd take either yeah. of those guys. I, I'd be in a dead sprint. I would trip over the steps trying to get my, my card in. If either of those two guys were there at 10, yep. I got that, three guys right now that are not quarterbacks that I have starred next to him so we'll mm-hmm. see what happens yeah and he did go to delaware delaware okay i knew it was one yep. of the two yep no I, i'm with you and and i think especially this having this be a two-year deal this gives the broncos that little bit because we we have quite a few guys with contracts coming up after this season and so having at least that depth player beyond this year is definitely nice for the broncos because it could get a little bit choppy next year of what the Broncos do on the defensive line. And and so, I mean, that's why I could see them using even that first round pick on a defensive lineman, because you got what three guys that are going to possibly be gone next season. Your three best defensive linemen, interior defensive linemen are set to hit free agency next year with Derek Wolf, Adam Gatsis, and Shelby Harris. So I means I'm guessing one of those guys will be back, but all three, it's not happening. Right. Exactly. So it, it's, it's an underrated need on this team right now. And it doesn't help that Walker hasn't been a hit for the Broncos. I mean, that's a second round pick that you're, you're hoping would be developing at this time and becoming something for you. And so far he hasn't been that. So again, I think this is where because of some draft misses in the past, the Broncos are left with needing some, some depth on this defensive line. And again, signing Zach Kerr at least helps a little bit that you still have some guys beyond this season, but it's again, it's not a move that really moves the needle a whole lot for me, but it's, it's a nice depth piece that keeps your 53 man roster strong. He's a nice rotation piece that can come in. He can play 
all over that defensive line. I've seen him play that five tech. Okay. I've seen him play the zero tech. Okay. He offers a little bit of versatility and, and being able to actually help in the pass and the run game. I I've actually liked some of his penetration that, that he does of, of actually getting up the field and making some plays. He kind of shocks me every once in a while. It's kind of like uh, all these guys, they have their plays where all of a sudden you're like, Whoa, what, where'd that come from? And you're like, can you just do that more consistently? And I think that's been my biggest thing with Zach Kerr is I really thought he would take that next step coming to the Broncos. I remember we talking about him and being like, oh, man, this this is that Elway signing that that pays off that that underrated signing that nobody saw coming. And and boom, he comes out of nowhere like Sanders, like Darian Stewart. And he just hasn't quite reached that level. But I'm I'm glad to see him back. I, I will say that much. Yeah, no, you are. You are correct there, and again, add some depth, add, add some much-needed depth, and the contract, I, I don't know the exact specifics, I know two years, I don't know how it's broken down so much, but I can't imagine a lot of guarantees, and if the, you know, if he doesn't pan out, I can't imagine it being a big deal for the Broncos. Right. Well, that brings us to our other big free agency signing, and I think most people, before free agency started, were clamoring for this player to be signed. And I, I think you and I were a little less on board with this just because we already had a very good slot corner in Chris Harris. And then you sign Kareem Jackson, who also can play the slot. And now you bring in a true slot corner in Bryce Callahan. I like the signing. I'm, I'm not sure that I'm absolutely in love with it like some people uh, because he, he is a great Bears player. He's played with Fangio, so I understand the connection. I understand why it's great to bring him in, and I think he's going to be a good player for the Broncos. But I'm kind of with you. We talked about earlier of, of needing that boundary corner, that true boundary corner, and Bryce Callahan is for sure not that. Honestly, the thing that it makes me worried about the most is I wonder if this is kind of the beginning of the writing on the wall for Chris Harris. Like, uh, I, I know you're not not this year, but like. He has a contract. I mean, I think he's a free agent after next year. Like, mm-hmm. I, I don't know, man. Like, I can't. Like, are they going to pay him even more than these two next year? Are you going to pay three corners that much? Yeah, man. that's a lot of that's a lot of money in your secondary. Yeah, yeah just specifically a corner too. So, and you got to figure out two safeties next year. Maybe Kareem Jackson slides over to safety. I I, I don't know, but it's a. Uh, it makes me a little bit like I like the signing right now, but I won't lie. There's a little bit of alarm bells going off in the back of my head saying, "What about Chris Harris?" What does this mean? Is he gone? So I'm, I'm a little bit nervous there. I'm normally not a nostalgic kind of guy, but Chris Harris can still ball. And he is, I mean, outside of Von Miller, he's Mr. Bronco. So uh, man, I just that a little bit of worry there, As, but on the surface, Bryce Callahan, definitely excited to have him. I am a little bit concerned about injuries uh, and the contract deals are not yet out. According to spot track. Um, it's, we have a three-year deal, 21 million with 10 million guaranteed how that split up are the guaranteed money split across no idea yet. So can't really comment on that. I think that'll be big. I can't imagine the year one cap hit is going to be big just because the Broncos didn't have a lot of money left. You know, like they still have some money, but like not a crud ton. So I can't imagine it's that big, but I'm excited to have him in here. I do worry that he might be a little bit limited to that nickel role, but Again, with how much 11 personnel teams are playing these days, having a cornerback that can play nickel as well as he does, I think is a is a good get. You know, it, how is it going to keep Chris Harris out of playing the slot? That's yet to be seen. You know, maybe they'll move him around a little bit. They definitely don't have the length or the size that the Bears defense had last year with uh, Prince Abukamara and Kyle Fuller, the two boundary corners, and Bryce Callahan on the inside. But solid corner, good click and close. I do like what he said about Chris Harris Jr., and I think that having guys like Kareem Jackson and Chris Harris Jr. around him to kind of keep continuing his growth, I mean, only 27 years old, I think I think that's a good thing. The big thing for me, though, is what does it mean for Chris Harris Jr. going forward, and is that injury okay? Because I've heard some murmurs that some teams were a little bit concerned with his, his long-term health perspective. One, I think you should do the rest of the podcast in your uh, your alarm bell voice. Oh gosh, that's going on all the time. <laughs> hey, maybe they don't like you. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> and, and two, I'm with you. That the injuries are definitely a concern. He, he's yeah. really struggled to, to play an entire season, and he's just been playing the slot position where he's not a full time starter. 
I mean, he's getting tons of reps, but he's not that full-time starter. So would you really want to move on from Chris Harris, even though Chris Harris has had his injuries too? So, I mean, I, I do think you have to worry about that with this quarterback group, and which is why I've told people, I had somebody comment about, well, I hate this for, for Yadam. And what does this mean for him? I mean, this could, could stunt his growth. I still think he's going to get a lot of snaps this year. I, I really do. Because of that size that he brings, he's going to get a ton of work on special teams, of course. But I do think that he's going to get plenty of snaps even on the defense because of being that different kind of cornerback compared to these three guys. But uh, Callahan coming in, I can't disagree. The, the, the idea that he knows the defense, he knows what Fangio is going to expect. That That's always a nice thing that kind of, you, you know what, he, you know, he's going to be good in this defense. There's those times where you bring in a free agent and they are talented, but they don't fit you very well. Well, we don't have to worry about that with Bryce Callahan. So I like that. I like that he is very aggressive. He's physical. I like that he helps in the run game. I I like that he he's actually pretty good at getting some turnovers too or helping guys get turnovers. One thing I noticed when watching Chicago is when their cornerbacks tip a pass, they're not trying to do the spike it into the ground. They're trying to actually tip it up and let their guys go make a play. I mean, the, I saw that so many times where it's it's on that second bounce that a guy's making a turnover. And Callahan was a big part of a lot of those. So I'm, I'm excited about that part. But it's, I'd say cornerback is still not quite finished for the Broncos. Maybe it's not as big a need this year, but I, I think... I think within the next two years, you're going to see the Broncos use a first or second round pick in the next two years on a cornerback. I will say it's dependent on Yadam and potentially a, another developmental guy in this draft, but I, they have to. I mean, right? Like they have Callahan's the only guy that's projected on the roster past two years. Well, I guess Kareem Jackson has a three-year deal, but we will see if he's here that third year. That's a pretty right. big cap hit on that third year. And with no, I think it's no guarantees on that third year. So really it's a two year deal. <laughs> I mean, if, if we learned anything, unless he totally balls out, I mean, it's totally possible, but probably a two year deal. Right. Now, before we get to our, our last little segment here of, of talking the free agency and the Broncos and, and maybe what this means for the draft, we're going to take a quick break. This is the overtime podcast network. Well, welcome back. And, and we want to kind of close out our show. I want to first start off. Let's look at the the whole picture here, the big picture of what the Broncos have done, free agency. And we didn't even include the the trade for, for Joe Flacco in this and the, I guess, trade of Case Keenum out of here. And uh, that should be factored in because that is kind of part of free agency. But what, what do you think? What do you think about the Broncos so far? What do you like what they've done? Is there a grade maybe that you'd like to give them for for the all these different signings that they've made? I will give them a B so far. I'm going to try to, you know, balance the pessimism with the optimism. I do worry a little bit about pushing some of these cap hits back when the Broncos have so few guys on contract next year. You know, that might limit them going forward, but John Ovoy is going like a guy who's going for it. So we'll see, you know, Joe Flacco's contracts gets bigger, but they have a lot of flexibility and that's key. You know, having guys that can manipulate the cap in that way with flexible contracts is key. But again, none of these guys really took under market deals, I would say. I mean, they play, they paid market price for them. So doing a good job filling needs, um, improving with Flacco, I do feel definitely better about the quarterback position. There's still some needs left on the roster. They still have some cap left. They might be able to do some things to create some more cap, you know, maybe like extending Derek Wolf and pushing some guarantees on that deal, uh, paying them cash up front. We'll see, I don't know what the cash situation is with them, but they could give them a signing bonus and lower his cap hit this year while pushing some of those guarantees across the contract backwards. So that would be one thing to create some money. And they might also touch Flacco's deal. I know he always said originally he wouldn't, but I've heard that, you know, that's that's definitely on the table if they have to do it. So we will see, but I'd give it a solid B with the biggest quote-unquote like actual holes on the roster still yet is a true nose tackle, a zero one tech, and then some uh, interior offensive line help, which, you know, they need somebody to help push uh, center and right guard position. So what what would it take for them to get up to an A for you? Man, um let's say they trade for or I mean even just signing a guy on cheap. Maybe if they bring in Justin Houston for cheap, they need some edge depth, uh attain a, obtaining Darren Lee. Um it would depend on the compensation, but that would help a lot. 
and then maybe get an interior offensive line guy just to add some depth. You know, Spain, um, they got potentially uh, Klein, I believe, is another one that's available. Maybe Sullivan at center. So th- there's a number of different guys. Uh, let me see. There's Wisniewski also from the the Eagles. So just getting some depth on the offensive line. That's something I don't expect them to do before the draft. I think that's more of a when we're in OTAs and preseason kind of thing. I mean, that's when they got Evan Mathis. That's when they got Alan Barber. So that's, I think that's when they'll look that way, but they need some edge depth. They need a nose tackle. They could use a burner. You know, they could use speed linebacker. So it's just a solid B right now for the, for the reasons I stated you know, you're, you're paying market price or a little bit above and you're pushing some of those cap hits back, which is always a little risky. Yeah. I'm with you there. I, I give it a solid B too. I mean, I hate to be the same as you. I'll go B plus then. Mm, there you go. I, I do like that. Our, our secondary actually seems competent this year. And I mean, some of the big holes from last year, the Broncos went and filled those very well. Juwan James there at the right tackle spot. Again, that was such a bad spot for the Broncos the last few years here. Then to go and add to the secondary. I mean, at one point, pretty much Yadam was our top cornerback. That's just, that's not good one. I mean, I I like Yadam, but he's a rookie or he was a rookie. So now you got Chris Harris back adding these two guys that are veterans that should fit in very well with this defense. I, I definitely like those those moves for the Broncos. And, I mean, it, it really does open up so much of what they can do with the draft. We, we were talking at one point. I mean, we, we have a, a group chat that we do with a bunch of our other football guys. And there was some talk of the Broncos really having to reach for cornerback. And I don't think any of us really like any of these cornerbacks, at least not at pick 10. And yeah. so to now, now not have to reach for that position – that was a huge sigh of relief for me. So I'll, I'll give it a B plus just because I can breathe a sigh of relief on that fact. But looking at the the players that are left, you already mentioned a couple of them. You, you talked about Justin Houston and, uh, and uh, Quentin Spain. And is there any other players that maybe stick out to you? You see like a, a Jamie Collins, because you're talking about athleticism at the linebacker position. Doesn't it get much more athletic than Jamie Collins. Yeah, I just don't know if he fits the discipline demanded and work ethic demanded of Fangio based on some of the murmurs about his play. You know, just eh, probably not. I think if you're going to get a linebacker that's, I mean, Zach Brown's still out there, but I can't imagine paying him what he's worth. So I think, you know, Josh Klein, Quentin Spain, potentially John John Sullivan, uh, Stephen Wisniewski, the center slash guard from the Eagles, or maybe some edge depth, you know, Aaron Lynch is still out there. Justin Houston would be a heck of a get. So, I mean, we're in the second tier now. The Broncos don't got a lot of money left. Maybe Clay Matthews would be another one if they can bring him in cheap to be that that edge depth. But overall, I think it pretty much is what it is. We might see Demata Peco back, you know, one-year deal, $2 million, maybe $1.5 million. But it's, uh, I think it's pretty much done now until after the draft. We'll see that that fourth wave of free agents after the draft. Any thoughts on like Eric Berry? I just can't imagine paying him money after playing like only four games over the last two years. Now maybe a very heavily incentivized deal, but I don't know. I feel like once you let or once you didn't land Adrian Amos and you brought in Kareem Jackson who offers that back end versatility, I, I just I'd probably let Eric Berry go elsewhere. What about uh for, for our boy Cam out there, what about Sue? There's no way they have enough money for him. There's, <laughs> okay. there's just no way. That's what I kind of figured. Yeah. But uh, got to throw it out there just for our friend. Yeah. He's it been, would be great to get him. Like in yeah. the vacuum, that would be the heck. And how we're really cooking. But uh, there's, I just cannot see that happening. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I mean, I, I there might be one other signing. You talked about a trade there for, for Darren Lee. I know that's been talked about. I know Benjamin Albright talked about it on – on uh, orange and blue 760 that's something that the broncos are, are working on and i i do think that he i think he's going to get traded i don't know if it'll be the broncos that get him but i do think he'll be traded there from from the jets and i think if the broncos can get him that would be a huge get to to make it even better when we're heading into the draft because otherwise i do think that they're going to have to maybe reach a little bit for uh, an athletic linebacker i mean if devin white's there at 10 I think you're running to the podium either way, but beyond that, I mean, I, I think that's a little bit of a reach for Devin Bush there at 10 uh, second round. 
Cashman, is that a little bit of reach for him there in the second round? I think so. Personally, I, I think he's got some uh, he's got some injury issues. And what about Wilson? Same. Yeah, I, feel, I like Wilson a little more than him just because of some uh, some concerns with the again the medicals. But man, I, I just don't love either of them. I think there's a huge huge drop off after the two Devons. Right. Right. But I mean, what do you think of Devin Bush there at 10? I don't love the value, but if they go that way, I get it. He's on that tier three for me. If we're talking outside the scope of quarterback, which I always say is in a vacuum and needs to be evaluated and judged on its own. But after, you know, Quinn Williams on a tier one by himself, then tier two, it's Ed Oliver and Devin White for me. Then tier three, I got the likes of Devin Bush, the TJ Hawkinson and uh, Jonah Williams. So I don't love any of those guys there personally, but if they go that way at 10, you know, you just nod your cap, know that you got a solid player there and uh, move forward. And, and that was going to be our final conversation here a little bit of of that top 10 pick and what this does for the Broncos. When we're looking at free agency, I mean, that's the big thing is how does this change where a team's looking? And uh, does any of this, something that I, I listened to the other day, they were talking about the Broncos was having a top 10 pick. And they said that they feel like there's a little bit more pressure to take a quarterback this year because it's going to cost a lot more if you don't have that top 10 pick next year. Are you in agreement with that? Or what were your thoughts with really wanting to lean quarterback or to look in a different direction? See, I think it can go two different ways with this. Some people are saying, well, Elway's moves are all really win now, so the Broncos won't go quarterback. But you can also look at it as Elway's filling up a lot of holes and the Broncos don't have any just massive day one needs where if they can't even go, they can't go into the season with this as a whole. You know, obviously it'd be better to have another linebacker, another pass rusher, et cetera. But, you know, they they don't have to have to go into the season with adding any one position at this point, in my opinion. I mean, obviously there's some kind of cheap veterans out there they could add, but I think that it, it's opened up for quarterback. So they have a lot of different directions they could go. I do think if you don't go quarterback though, and one of those three guys that I laid out aren't there, you're trying like hell to trade back and get 2020 picks and kind of doing what the bills did not last year, but the year before where they traded back from 10 overall, which ended up being Patrick Mahomes. They probably should have just taken him, but <laughs> traded back from 10 overall got a first round pick uh, for the next season. And we're able to use those two picks to target, move up the guy they for the guy they wanted and get their hopeful quarterback of the future. So I think if an elite player that you absolutely love doesn't fall to you at 10, you need to be looking to trade back. Now does that takes two to tango obviously. So we'll see if that's even possible, but I think you're looking to trade back and get a future first. If not that looking to trade back, add that team's first this year, their third this year, and then a second next year. But either way, I think you got to walk, walk away with uh, at least a first or second round pick next year if you are trading back. Right. No, I'm, I'm in agreement with you there. It'll be interesting to see how the Broncos respond. Uh, like I said, Thursday, you're, you're heading there to, to the Missouri Pro Day. I'll be interested to see which Bronco representatives show up for that. Yeah. So uh, you, be you might get a stand next to Elway. Yeah. Well, you will. Uh, man, that would be something. I might try to like hold his hand or something. <laughs> hey, John. <laughs> you like a beer? Yeah. Just bring, just bring a six pack. He'll, he'll hold your hand for a six pack. Now he's more of a whiskey guy. You know that. Oh, good point. Good point. Yeah. John, I know a good steak place around here. <laughs> steak. Yeah. He's keep talking. <laughs> <laughs> but no i'm interested to hear what you have to say about drew lock and, and what he shows there and, and of course hall as well i mean those are two guys that you and i've talked quite a bit about that the broncos should be highly considering for this nfl draft and i mean it's just it's kind of crazy how much the quarterback conversation has changed over the last few weeks i mean yes. that at one point I mean, obviously, even Kyler Murray wasn't even a part of the conversation. Now he's looking like, like the number one overall pick for a long time. Haskins was the easy choice for the number one quarterback. Now there's some talk that he won't be taken until the third or fourth quarterback. I've seen three quarterbacks taken in the top six with teams trading up. I've seen Drew Locke falling clear back to 15, 16. You know, there's just it's just kind of crazy right now how teams are looking at this quarterback group. Yeah, nope, you're right. We'll see what happens. I think everything, though, I think Broncos do like Drew Locke. I don't know if they love Drew Locke, 
but I do think Elway loves Justin Herbert. So what does that mean? <laughs> we'll see. All right. Well, that's going to wrap up today's episode of Building the Broncos, powered by Overtime Media. You can find Carl on Twitter at Carl Dumbler MHH and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. Also, make sure you head over to Mile High Huddle, an affiliate of 24-7 Sports and CBS Sports Digital, to find more content covering the Denver Broncos. Head on over to iTunes and leave us a five-star rating and a comment. Your support can help us continue to bring you our Denver Bronco deep dives. You can follow the Building the Broncos podcast and all our other great audio content by subscribing to the Huddle Up podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. You can follow us on Twitter and at you can follow us on Twitter at Malahe Huddle and at BTB Football Pod. For Carl, I'm Nick wrapping up another episode of the Building the Broncos podcast. We hope you enjoyed it and we will see you soon. Go Broncos. You've been listening to Building the Broncos. Join Broncos Country's deep divers at milehighhuddle.com to keep the conversation going.